music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week on the show, we are very excited to welcome Juno-nominated recording artist Scott Hellman. Now, I have had the great pleasure of chatting with Scott many times over the course of his career, and it has been so much fun seeing him evolve as a musician and as an artist. Now, he has made the move from Toronto to Los Angeles, so we discuss why he's made that transition. We also talk about why he's so excited to be heading back out on tour, the new music he's been working on, and of course, finally getting engaged to the love of his life. On the show, we also spend some time with our music editor, Sharon Hyland, discussing the impact of Alanis Morissette, specifically with Pink and Kelly Clarkson. Follow us on Instagram, Kelly Alexander Show. Super excited to welcome back to the show, Juno-nominated recording artist, Scott Hellman, who is one of my favorite Canadian artists to speak to. Scott, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am so awesome. And uh, you and I were just doing a little chit chat before we started um, recording. And I haven't seen you like on a live stream since we did the pandemic live stream. Yes. Which was a a few years ago. So I'm first of all, I'm super happy to see you. And actually, you know, I'll start there on a dark note on the pandemic, just in the fact that um, how did you come through it in the end? And like, what was the biggest lesson you learned out of it? Oh, I mean, I think for most people, like, the the, the I, I, I I can't speak for everyone but I know at least certainly for like artists that I know it's like you know since I was about 18 which is when I dropped my first music it was like go 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 and I was always on the move and and so much of what I do is like traveling and touring and you know all that stuff so to have to like sit in my house for that long and just like look at my wall and think about things um, I feel like it, it was actually, a, there, I mean, obviously it was tough and there, there, I wouldn't have opted in for the experience, but I think there was a lot of good things that like came out of it. Um, for me, you know, I, I got to like, really like take a chill pill and like hang at home. Sorry. Someone is drilling all of a sudden. Okay. Can you I can't. So that's fine. Okay. okay <laughs> I'll just pretend that I can't. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just feel like I just, I, I got a chance to like really just like take some time to myself and just, yeah, get, like just chill and like really think about what I wanted to do artistically um, and like hang with family. So it was kind of actually uh, in a way a positive thing, but um, yeah, I think I just learned patience for sure. Patience was like the big key lesson I think I learned. So did, did you find that you were super creative during that time? Like, were you writing songs? Like, I know certain artists, it was kind of one or the other, or maybe a little bit of a, a mixture, but you know, some people just were like, no, I'm not, I'm not writing now. I, I definitely feel like I took the time to like explore and take risks and like, you know, just because I felt like the whole world was upside down. It was like, and so much of writing music is like, you know, you're res- not only are you responding to like the events around you and trying to put the- those things into words, but you're also like thinking about like, what are other people going through? And I feel like so much of what the world was going through was like this, like this like overhaul and this huge change. And I was like, I don't want to just, you know, keep doing the same thing artistically. Like I want to feel like I'm a part of that conversation. So I felt like I was just really just exploring and being weird and making weird TikToks and, you know, like just trying whatever I could. So I think that was really, really good for me um, because I feel like the records that I have been putting out and that I have yet to release are like, you know, that I feel like, you know, they, I'm trying to hold on to like what makes 
my music, my music, but also just kind of like try new things and, and do different stuff. So, yeah. Did you find that? Cause for example, I'll just use Beyonce as an example, like coming out of pandemic, like she released, you know, an album that makes you want to dance. And I think a lot of other artists, whether they're in dance or pop or, or rock, like it was like kind of euphoric, you know, music coming out in a way, not for everybody, but I think the the theme would be like, we're finally at a lockdown. Let's go. Did you find that your tone of music that you're producing had some kind of euphoria to it? Uh, yeah. Funny enough. Like I do feel like they're they're like, the maybe i would maybe wouldn't use the word euphoria but like like i would maybe use the word catharsis like i definitely wanted it to feel like there were some resolutions in my music like and i had dealt with a lot like i i got sober for a couple years in covid and just like kind of like really like thought about my life and like where i want to go and and also like you know just trying to sort of like sort through all the stuff because when you're on the go so much it's like so hard to sit down and be like okay Maybe I should like talk to a therapist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all that stuff. So that that I feel like was really big for me. So in that sense, yeah, I guess there would be sort of a theme of euphoria or like catharsis in, in my new music. But the funny thing too is like I've also like started a bunch of other projects. Like I've started making actually making dance music with some friends too. So we were putting together a record of like dance music that I, I really want to put out. Um, and that's definitely influenced, you know, my music and me writing with other artists, like for other artists projects, like just kind of like, just, yeah, thinking about like moving and dancing and like an artist I really got into after the pandemic and sort of at the tail end of it was a guy named Fred again. Um, and his music is so impactful because it's like really, really beautiful music, but it's, it's dance music. And I, I never thought I would connect so much to that, but I really do. So, Yeah. That's awesome. Now, uh, when we last spoke again, we were on a live stream and you were in Toronto. Now you're in Los Angeles. You made the move. Can you just talk to us about that decision that led you to go to LA and how things are going? Yeah. I mean, I just like, like I said, the pandemic ended and like the world was just a big question mark. And I've been coming down here a lot just to make music. So it just felt like natural to, to make a move and see how it, how it went. Um, and it's been awesome. Like I, it's a great city. I miss Canada every day. Um, and I try to go back as much as I can, but it's so funny because artists that live in Toronto or, or Canada in, in general are a lot of them are like, yeah, I just got to make sure I like go to LA like four or five times a year. And now that I moved here, I'm like, I just got to make sure I go home like four or five times a year. Cause I get so exhausted. Like this, this city is exhausting but it's great and there's tons of great art out here and it's really good and my fiance works down here for a company so it's like it makes sense for us but um definitely like will never t- call myself an american so okay <laughs> and did you find because i uh, this was several years ago i interviewed jocelyn alice and this was just after she moved back to calgary she'd kind of had her fill of los angeles and so i know you just said it's a great city i think it's a great city also but like like what like if there was a reason for you to move home to toronto what would it be like in los angeles like is it too much is it too much being around all these creatives all the time um that's a really big thing i think like the thing that's nice about a city that isn't completely art-based is like people here i think have a little bit of fatigue like there's so much art and everybody's doing their dance you know everyone's like doing their putting on their shtick and it's like when I first moved here, I was like, why is everybody so like not want to talk about art? And then like, you know, 
six months in, I was like, oh my God, if somebody talks to me about another like cool band or another famous person, I'm just going to explode. Like I, I just want to talk about drywall, you know? So, and it's nice. Cause I, you know, I, I meet people that are from places where it's not, everything's about art all the time. And the conversations are so interesting because they're, they're so much more like generalized and, and like, I think innocent isn't the right word because that's sort of like looking down on it. I, I look up to it. I think like being able to have like a like a general perspective of art rather than like such a hyper-focused one is actually such a good thing because that's how most people consume art. Like that's how most people listen to music. They just open their phone and play what they're into. And I just think like sometimes the obsession makes it like, I don't know, exhausting. So I think that would be a big reason. I also just love Canada. I just love, I love Toronto. I love Montreal. I love Vancouver. I love, I love Calgary. Like I just, I, I can't think of a city in Edmonton. I'm obsessed with Edmonton. Like I just can't think of a place in Canada where I wouldn't be happy to be. And I, I don't know why, maybe it's just the perspective. Um, it's just a great country. Yeah. Now, you mentioned fiancé, which we know you also got engaged. Uh, so can you, like, is wedding date decided? Do we know? We're, like, honestly, like, the last six months have been super stressful. And we just had a chat and we were, like, we're not, like, A, we're not in a rush because we're basically already married. Like, we have a dog. We live together. Like, what's the rush? And we're also, like, I, we don't want to get married when it's stressful, you know? Like, we just want to get married when it's, like, easy. So we're kind of just taking our time. We're like looking at venues when we're bored. Like, so we're not really stressed, um, but de definitely in the next, hopefully in the next year or two, Pro probably in the next year. Amazing. And now yeah. um, speak to us about the new music because we're, and we're going to talk to her in, in a few moments, but uh, you've been dropping singles. And I think, I think your fiance plays a part in some of that music, right? That you've been writing and creating. So tell us about yeah. that. And also Chuck Taylor's because such a great song go oh thank you yeah um yeah i kind of just had all this music and i was like really just i didn't really know if i wanted to put together an album and you know there's all all the other back-end kind of stuff that that goes on in the music industry that just makes everything complicated and i was like i just want to drop these songs one after the other and just see what people are resonating with and it's been really fun. And a lot of the, some of the songs, like every time was written like way, way before the pandemic. Like I had that, has been sitting on that song forever. And I just, this people loved it and then people didn't love it. And then people loved it again. And I was just like, you know what? The fact that I've loved it, sorry, big bug just landed on me. The fact that I've loved it through that whole process of like people questioning it. I was like, this song, I want to put it out. I think it's really special. Um, and yeah, that was, that song was inspired by, me me and my fiance we had we were apart for like three or four years and it was just kind of about that time where i was like not with her and wishing i was it was a kind of a simple thing and then yeah chuck taylor's was just a fun song i wrote about a breakup and i was just like i don't know i just i just i don't really i didn't really think about it too much i kind of just we kind of just wrote it in like three hours and put it together and i just thought it was great so it's super fun it's such a great vibe for you it's a great song yeah thank you i appreciate that um, so tour decide or tell us why you decided to head out, head on, out on tour and what we can expect when you uh, come to our fair city of Montreal. Yeah, well, it would just, it just had been too long. I was like, I know there's not like an album to promote because I dropped a bunch of singles and I know, you know, whatever, but I was like, I just really, really want to go on tour. And I feel like I'm gearing up to put out like a bunch more music soon that will be hopefully part of like a larger project, like an album or an EP. And 
I just wanted to get out there and say hey to everyone and like reconnect because it had been so long and um and so much of like it's so hard when you just release music and you don't go on tour it's like it's you don't really understand what's going like you don't get to see your music come to life so it was just time time to go on tour and um yeah i honestly cannot wait i cannot wait for montreal i love montreal i we love, love you i love poutine <laughs> I can't Ah, yeah, I think we talked about that on one of our interviews. I think like you and I have spoken at least four or five times, I think, and maybe more, which I always love. And I wanted to ask you, so talk about um, Montreal for a second and the fact that uh, I know you love coming here. I know we love you. Um, would you ever move back here? Oh, my God. In a, in a heartbeat. Like if, if I was going to move back to Canada, it would be tough not to move to Toronto because I have so many friends in Toronto. But if if and like family but if that wasn't like a if that wasn't an uh an issue and it was really just about like what city do i want to live in i would definitely choose montreal for sure cool and what's yeah. your favorite restaurant here because like I'm, I'm hoping you're going to hit it up when you when you get here on the 17th oh it's been so long um honestly it's so sad but i would have said the main but i know they closed down but I loved the main. I, I didn't even like the food that much, to be honest with you. Yeah. I just liked the vibe. I like. I know Leonard Cohen went there a lot, so that was cool to like think about. Uh, there's a place called Sparrow, I think, that I remember being really good. Okay. Um, and then there's a Joe Beef place that's really good, but I can't remember any of the names of any of these places. I just that's, know that's all like. good. Bagel. What's that bagel place? Well, there's a Fairmount Bagel, and there's oh. also Saint Viator. Yeah, both of those are so good. What's okay. that? It was like this breakfast spot in the Myland. Um, it's like on a corner. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think Remember. I know. I'm blanking also, but I that whatever that place is is great too. Okay. Now, when yeah. you do come on tour, are you bringing like full band? Like, how is that going to go? Yeah, we're we're full band. We're gonna rock out. It's like wet and wild. Like like we're just playing like a real show. Like it's there's there's not a lot of bells and whistles. It's just like dudes on stage playing music. Um, because I really wanted to just connect with people. And I feel like sometimes the, like the whole production of like lights and like, you know, like a whole choreographed show can, can sometimes like take away from the, the like spontaneity of just being on stage and just being like, there's some silence in between songs and there's like, I can tell stories and there's like freedom to just do all that. So I just really wanted to like keep that part of it super raw, but I want to like, I want to rock out. So it's just like, yeah, it's just a proper show. Perfect. Now, a couple yeah. of quick questions before I let you go. First of all, what Canadian artist in the pop world is floating your boat these days? Like, who are you? Who are you digging? Oh, that's a great question. Um, there's an artist named Lily. Is that you who I really love? We, we've been writing together a lot because she comes down here. So we've been making some music and I think she's just really special. I think she just um, she's just doing something that's like really provocative and she's like 22 and just living her life and being awesome. And I just I, I find that really exciting. Um, so I think she's really, really cool. Um, trying to think. Uh, trying to think. This isn't in the pop space, unfortunately, but um, uh, there's there's an artist that I met while I was in Toronto. Um, her name's Leah Papas Kemp's. Um, 
and she's an actress. She was, she like blew up on TikTok cause she's an actress. And I went to her show cause my friend, uh, Deanna Petkoff, who's also an amazing artist. She runs the the shows at the Burdock in Toronto. And I saw her perform this, this girl, Leah. And I was like, I like my brain rebooted. I was like, I don't understand what's going on here, but she, I think is like going to change the world. So I think she's amazing. Like, I think she, her writing is so special and she's like 19. And I was just like, I felt so inadequate watching her perform. So I don't know what she's going to do. And I don't know. I I don't know. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine she would be in the pop space, but I think she's an artist to watch because she's, she's incredible. Now, apart from your family and friends, and now that you're living in Los Angeles, who is the coolest person in your phone that you can call or text that we would know? Like Celebville or Artistville that we. Lebville that I could call and like would pick up. Yeah, sure. Like I have the weekend in my phone, but like I tried texting him once and it like went green and I was like, there's no shot he gave me the, the <laughs> right number. Um uh probably like somebody who would pick up, probably like Alec Benjamin would maybe pick up. Okay. Because we've been writing together, which has been cool. So that that that's pretty cool. I've I've been such a fan of his forever, so that's like wild that that I even know him. Um and then like I maybe Lennon Stella would be another one that would be super cool. I don't know if she'd pick up. She maybe would. If okay. I text her like emergency and then called her, she'd probably be like, what's going on? Um, but we, we've done a couple things. Like, I think I, I can't remember what we like. I like, did some session with her once. So she maybe would pick up, but yeah. But yeah. That's pretty awesome. Now, hey, um, I know you're, you're very happy being Scott Hellman, but if you could switch places with one artist for a day, uh, who would it be and why? Hmm. I feel like my answer is problematic, but I'm just going to say it. Um, I would probably switch places with Maddie Healy from the 1975, just because, just for the simple reason of like watching him perform. Not, not only do I love, I think those songs are so, so sick. And like, I like, like the idea of the, I feel like when I listen to that band, I'm like, this would be such a cool band to be like, to be able to like sing those songs would just be so sick and so fun. Um, I, so I think that would be a pretty fun time. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a hard question. I don't really feel like being anyone else, but just for um, a day though. But I, Matt Healy's a good answer. I think that's. Uh, I feel yeah. like he'd be so fun to be, be that guy. Just, just don't give a f- an f. Just do yeah. whatever. You, <laughs> wear whatever sunglasses. You all look cool. That sounds yeah. awesome. What uh, Scott? What is always in your fridge? Kimchi. Oh, that's good. Okay. I like that. That's very awesome. Yeah, I gotta have kimchi. It's like a huge part of my life. (laughs) Perfect. And now, because I know you love Montreal, a couple of questions about Montreal uh, for your Montreal fans. So uh, when you think of Montreal, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Friends. Yay. Um, And wine. And wine. (laughs) Best part of the city, especially because you lived here. So what do you like? Where do you love to hang out the most? Uh, I love the plateau. Um, I mean, I love the myland, but the the plateau. I, I mean, I look kind of the same thing. But I always, when I think about Montreal, there's this one memory that I have when me and my me and my fiance, my ex at the time, we j- had just got back together, and I wa- I took this walk up the up the the hill that like Mount um what's it Mount called Royal? Uh, yeah yeah Mount Royal, and I just listened to like this. It was like the middle of fall, and I was in like a 
jacket and I just listened to like Bonnie Vare and it was just so sick. Like just that area feels so full of life for me. Um, and I would visit my friends at school and, and stuff like that. So I feel like there's just so much, there's so much like, there's so much life in the plateau for me. Um, but yeah, like the plateau Myland area is, is, is really dope. I like that. that and that message for your Montreal fans. See you soon. Perfect. And yeah. uh, last thing, just, um, if there's an artist right now that is, you know, uh, or looks not if there are artists that look up to you, young artists, what advice would you want to give them, uh, you know, as they progress into their career, especially knowing like how you had to climb, what would you want them to know? Can I do a couple? There's two, I'd say. The first is the, the like, as much as the pressure to like make competitive art exists and like to say that it doesn't is silly. What makes your art competitive is you, like you, is that like you being yourself. So finding the balance between like doing things that you know hopefully will succeed or like that are a response to like the cultural moment is super important but at the end of the day if you're like sacrificing like your the core of who you are like your niche the thing that makes you you then i would say to steer clear of that um and then i would also say that um it's just you just got to try to have fun like it, it it's got to be fun even if it's sad like even if it's the saddest song you've ever written i think it's like like enjoying the process of making art and 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 because people can tell when you're not i think i think that's something i learned recently like people can tell when you're when you're not into it so just just make sure you're into it you know um and one more thing yeah 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 is the first thing you put out you have a million years to figure that out. But once you do that, it's like, it's kind of hard because you got to kind of keep up the pace. So it's okay to take your time and like be deliberate and like really think about what you want to do. Because um, that's what I did before I dropped Augusta. I had like an, a whole record written um, of like songs that I had written when I was like 15, 16. And they were like really, really, really pop and like straight down the middle pop. And then I met the right producer and I wrote Augusta and I wrote like Bungalow and, you know, um, Machine and all those kind of more like outside the box songs. And that's what made, I think what helped make make my art like what it is. And uh, I'm so glad I was afforded the time to like have, have gone through that process. Cause before I wrote Augusta, I was dead set that what I had already was perfect. But it just took one more writing session to be like, oh, wow, no, I actually, that's not what I want to do. So, yeah, that, those are my things. That is such a great piece of advice. And last question, because I, I wanted to get to this, because we always talk about your tattoos. What's your latest tattoo? And also, how's the stick and poke tattooing situation going? Oh, I've upgraded to a machine, which has been really fun. Um, and it's so fun. Like I tattoo people in Toronto here and there, and most of them are my fans, fans of my music. And it's like such a nice way to sit down with somebody and have like a one-on-one -on -one chat. It's really, really cool. Um, and the last tattoo I got was this, I got this like wishbone here, which was really painful. And I was, I was working in this shop and there was like an apprentice and I was like, do you want to use my body to try to tattoo? And he was like, yeah. So that was a dumb idea, but it ended up looking really great. So it wasn't, but um, wouldn't recommend. <laughs> Scott, I love you so much. You're awesome. Thank you for doing this. 
Yeah, thank you. This was so fun. That is Scott Hellman. Make sure you follow him on all of his social media accounts at Scott Hellman. And of course, his website, scotthellmanmusic.com. Hey, I'm Scott Hellman, and I'm hanging out on The Kelly Alexander Show. Very happy. Welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show. Our music editor, Sharon Highland. Hello, Sharon. Hi, Kel. Thanks for having me back. So, uh, so much to talk about. And the fact that... Um, this came to my attention. I know it already came to your attention. We actually talked about it on our um, joint podcast that we co-host together. Yes. And it just felt like it's it needed to be further explored. So um, recently and separately, I'll say, uh, recording artist Pink and Kelly Clarkson have each spent time, bonding time, with Alanis Morissette. Yes. One of our favorite Canadians, Sharon Highland. Oh, and, yes. And... Um, and it's so because and I should also mention that it's well known that um, Kelly Clarkson and Pink like really enjoy each other also as humans and as recording artists. Yep. And so it's so great that they both have this affinity for Alanis Morissette. And they both recently sang You Ought to Know with her in two different locales like Pink brought her out on stage. Kelly Clarkson had her at her show in New York City. And so what I wanted to talk about was, uh, first of all, can you tell us your overall thoughts on Alanis Morissette and her enduring career and legacy? What I think about Alanis Morissette, and we've talked about her on our podcast, 90s Now, quite a few times over the past 12 years. And I think what she brings to the table is, uh, in a weird way, stability. Because, uh, which is, I think it's weird, because when you think of the... Uh, the tumultuous nature of the music industry uh, and life and all that stuff blended into one music is the mainstay music is what gets everybody through. So to have an album like Jagged Little Pill strike as hard as it did originally and become that album that she toured on uh, for a long time, that really sort of created the basis of, of her career as she knows it now I mean, we talked about this too on our on on nineties now. How she did have a a dance diva career that preceded that album, but this was the album that set the tone uh, for the time. It set the tone for people that were in relationships that would break up. It set the tone for women uh, finding their strength. This it, it over time has become this go to soundtrack experience from different sections of people's lives, whether it was kids growing up uh, and, you know, this being maybe their first album or even adults going, wow, that's something, you know, she had a way of, of writing, uh, of the structure of how she uh, phrased, how she sang her lyrics. And, and people have poked fun at that because she does have a, a very unique sense of, uh, of timing when it comes to, uh, you know, presenting her lyrics in a way it's almost like what did she just say you know something really simple and it sounds complicated and and that's a and even in that statement alone that's a great reflection of life and and how things are one way but they feel like another way and i think she what she's consistently done is is provide this this honesty with what she's writing about with the experiences that she's had and in doing that she's brought everybody in People respond to that kind of respect, I think, because it it ultimately is that she's putting herself on the line and hoping that, you know, people will see the work or the art for what it is 
And then what happens with that is that it, it grows exponentially because people so associate and identify with what she's saying that it becomes an even bigger thing. What I also love is seeing how Pink and Kelly Clarkson, who are award-winning recording artists of their own right, will definitely be called legends. Yep. You know, in in time, um, probably some people already called them that. They fangirl over Alanis. Oh yeah, and you can see why. Like Alanis has this this maturity to her, and she did then too. She was certainly coming into herself as a as a woman back in the nineties. You could see that. Um, but she always had a maturity to her that I think it, it, it's almost like fans relied on it, you know, like as sort of, uh, uh, confused or, um, en route as she might've been in her own life, trying to figure out what she was doing. She seemed like that you could sort of get behind her and that she'd be there for you kind of thing as an artist. Cause she's closer to our age she's not even that much older than than um kelly clarkson and yeah. pink yeah um probably 10 years but, yeah but and i think she's in that that window of experience where she was there first yeah and it's in that that section of time where you're a, a young teenage girl and you're seeing you know slightly you know someone in their 20s who seems old <laughs> you know uh doing their thing in a way that's so strong and and uh uh, rhythmic and uh, soft and beautiful. Like she really covered all the emotions, all mm -hmm. the tempos. So, I mean, just for that one album, just for Jagged Little Pill to have presented such, uh, such success and such really big hits. Um, that's what people, that's a, as much a part of their past, Pink and Kelly Clarkson's past as it is any other regular teenage girl. Mm-hmm. From that I time. want to ask your comparison in a way of like, now obviously Alanis um, has had more hit songs than just based off of what was on Jagged Little Pill, but that is the album. You know, so like Jagged Little Pill came out in 95 or what, it should have been 95 in my brain. Um, and, yeah. and Miseducation of, of, of Lord Hell was 98. And yep. so three years difference in that same 90s period in a way. How do you compare Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, Lauren Hill's Miseducation of Lauren Hill? I think they're kind of similar in their pursuit, certainly sonically different, mm -hmm. but um, it's that, that moment and, and moment doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, a few seconds or a minute or whatever. It's a moment in time of, of discovery, discovery of possibility, discovery of yourself. And I think both of those women for each of those albums, when you recognize the possibility, then they themselves become endless. You know, it it generates more possibility. So it's it's liberating. I gosh, I think of the miseducation of Lauren Hill and and feeling like where I was in my life, that it was like, yeah, this is mine. This isn't something that, you know, uh, my older sister introduced me to or, you know, that it was mine. Mm -hmm. And I think that Alanis Morissette was the same kind of thing because, it, and no matter where you are in your life, because I think what we're seeing now is that both of those albums are, are you know, opening the eyes of young women this many years later in the same way that they did when they first came out. And I think that's the sign of uh, a really talented uh, songwriter and performer 
that you can create something that's timeless like that. It's really, you can try and try and try to make that happen. It doesn't always happen, but you know, those two cases are, are obvious musical magic. Do you find that there was an ebb and a flow to her popularity or was she always there just, you know, took a break? Well, I think that when you consider, um, uh, uh, music journalism having to report on, you know, the, the bands of the day and, and those that are, are touring, they had to report on Alanis Morissette. So it's not like anybody else's fault other than the fact that she wished to continue working, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, yes, you're going to hear, uh, more about someone who continues to work. I'm just looking at a list of, of tours that were hers and it, it's steady from the jagged little tour back in 1995. I love that she toured with uh, with Radiohead in '96 on a tour called "Can't Not Tour," <laughs> <laughs> which at at that point was really early on because it became like every year or every other year that she was touring. So you can see that uh, the notion of making an album and touring to support it is just—it's not even a notion. It's it's how it works. You have to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where the artist will make their actual money, right? Touring and selling the merch and and promoting that album so that people will come to their shows. It's just the way it works. So is was there exhaustion or fatigue? I, I can only imagine that it was on the part of her and having to do the work to promote the work. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that, that if you know, if, if there I don't recall ever there being an article of, hey, are we tired of Alanis? Like, I think that would be an example if there ever was that it would be an example of that old school tactic of let's create something that's not an actual thing so that we can, you know, get people riled up. Yeah, I I don't think it's necessary for for an artist of her caliber, of her level of maturity to have to uh, resort to something like that. I think she's consistently toured on on quality and and merit. And Mm -hmm. that's why she's lasted as long as she has. Sharon, you're my rock star. Thank you for spending Aww. time with us. Thanks, Kel. Uh, so make sure you follow Sharon Highland on Instagram at the Sharon Highland. And of course, check out our podcast that we co-host together with our uh, favorite producer, Little Adam. And so that is uh, 90s Now. <laughs> you can find us on social media there at 90s Now FM and uh, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Kelly Alexander Show. The Kelly Alexander Show. There you go. Another episode of The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you very much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it. Also, a thank you going out to our guests, Scott Hellman and our music editor, Sharon Hyland, And of course, to our amazing producer, Andrew Sabino, for doing such a wonderful job putting the program together. Now, if you have the opportunity, we would very much appreciate if you could leave us a review. And of course, grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.